Well, welcome to King's. It's great to have you with us today. And I'm looking forward to sharing God's word with you. We continue to regather back as a church and we are encouraging people now to uh, come back into our venues and, and let's be together, let's be in person, let's connect with God and one another. I'm speaking out of 1 Peter 5 today. Uh, if you're really sharp, you will know that we should be in 1 Peter 4, uh, but we're actually doing that next Sunday. And we moved it around because of first a delay on my uh, planned trip to Russia that now has been cancelled and we just decided to stay where we are. So just as a one-off, we're going to chapter five before chapter four, but we'll be okay. And I'm, I'm sure you understand. I wanna ask you a question. Um, what one thing do you admire most about a friend or a leader you know? What's, what's the thing that you really admire about them? I always think of the great Nelson Mandela who, was uh, just such a, uh, a statesman and, you know, changed a nation. We were in Cape Town recently and you just can see Robin Island out in the distance and you just think you're trying to get your head around his life journey and the impact he had on that great nation. But probably one of the things that stands out about him would be humility. He was this statesman, but he seemed really grounded and very humble. And I think that's one of the things that are, we're attracted to, isn't it? We're attracted to not just skills and performance, important as those are, we're attracted to characteristics of patience or kindness or, or humility or maybe even humour. There are certain things that we look for in the leaders and friends that we follow. What, what do you look for? What do you admire? I think we've got some great leadership lessons in 1 Peter 5 today and let's read the passage. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you close yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to uh, pick up the theme of uh, leadership today. Uh, obviously, this passage is addressing firstly to elders, those that have the care of God's family, God's flock, 
under the great shepherd, Jesus himself, he has delegated to elders, fathers, to care for the family. Just like you would hope a a, a mum and dad would care for a family at home, you're looking for spiritual fathers and mothers to care for God's people. But also I want to take this passage and say, look, I think there are some lessons in here that could help you whatever uh, area of leadership you're in, whatever uh, responsibilities you carry. Maybe you are a a leader in a school or in in the health system, or maybe you're a manager in the local council, or you you lead your own company, or you work in the city. I don't don't mind where you are. Uh, Maybe you're a sports person, you're an actor. It, uh, it, It doesn't really matter because we all carry influence. And one definition of leadership is just influence. It's not to do with position, it's to do with influence. And so we all have influence. And um, I want to talk about leadership today. And I think these words are addressed to elders. And and, uh, Peter identifies with the elders he's writing to. But I think there are lessons in here uh, for all of us. Um, I actually... uh, when I was a young man, I did a, a gift discovery uh, um, test. It was done by Selwyn Hughes. That's a name for some of you that are my age and older. And I did it, it was a gift discovery, and it came out, the gift of leadership was like, that was what came out. And I, I think over years I've kind of owned that and realized that does reflect God's grace given to me. If you look at Romans 12 and you see all the different grace gifts and uh, different, Uh, measures of leadership or mercy or teaching. Well, mine was leadership. And so I've tried to develop that and uh, uh, grow in that area. uh, And I'm still learning. I want to recommend some resources to you about leadership, which I think are relevant for whatever uh, leadership sphere you work in. But these are some of my favorites. So uh, John Maxwell, his writing, Develop the Leader Within You, or The 360 Degree Leader, brilliant uh, book on leadership of how you lead up and across your team as well as those in a sense you're serving that you have a leadership or authority over. Um, The Making of a Leader by Bob Clinton is an absolute classic and I'll be quoting from him a bit later in in this uh, 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 message. And then another classic, Good to Great or Built to Last or Great uh, by Choice by Jim Collins who is a writer that looks at successful businesses or charity in both the nonprofit and the profit sector and finds out what are the key leadership themes, what do you find in these companies or charities, which is, which is constant. Um, more recently, I've read uh, Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Integrity, which, for example, gives the importance of empathy in a leader uh, or in a marriage. Uh, uh, and uh, so that was uh, challenging, that was good. And then the last book I read was uh, Managing Leadership Anxiety by Steve Cuss. There's a new uh, writer. Uh, I've watched him online a few times. And the leadership thing I learned off him was that people react to process rather than content. So very often you may be right, but people are reacting to the process, how they're experiencing change, change management, whatever. So there's some great leadership uh, resources there, and I want to recommend them. Uh, to you. In Good to uh, Great, one of the things they discovered, which I think is right through this passage we've just read about the the, the principle of humility uh, was, I mean, I think is in 1 Peter 5, and we'll come to that in a moment. But in 
Jim Collins's uh, book, to, uh, Good to Great, he says they found the kind of most successful leaders. Uh, they, in his book, they called level five leaders. Don't worry about that. They were modest and willful. They were humble and fearless. They had this combination of uh, being aware of what they're not while at the same time embracing who they are and, and making a difference in their their sphere, their arena of influence. Uh, Let me quote from him. A level five leader is an individual who blends extreme personal humility with an intense professional will. We found leaders of this type at the helm of every good to great company. A level five leaders channel their ego needs away from themselves and into the larger goal of building a great company or, or church or school. It's not that level five leaders have no ego or self-interest. Indeed, they're incredibly ambitious, but their ambition is first and foremost for their institution, not for themselves. And uh, I just think that's just a great quote. Uh, And I think that Jim Collins really got it from 1 Peter 5. Because 1 Peter 5 speaks to leaders, particularly to start with, speaks to elders. So, you know, Peter identifies with the elders there and says, look, as a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Um, this is how you should lead. Be, be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, watching over them. Whenever I teach on eldership, I think it really, I try and summarize it under four Ds. It's about doctrine, direction, discipline, and display. So display is about example, it's about being an example to the family in your care. Doctrine is about setting good teaching and biblical boundaries for life. Direction is, hey, everyone, we're going this way. And discipline is about setting boundaries on, hey, that we challenge that behavior, we encourage that. It, it gives some protection to the flock, to the family of God. Um, Peter says to these elders, he says, look, some knots and some buts. It says, you know, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing. So you do it with a willing heart uh, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. So, you know, sadly, we hear of leaders that have fallen for financial mishandling. So never kind of drift into that kind of prosperity that, Leadership is about just honor and getting more money. Uh, It's not about gaining financially for yourself. It's about eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you. So not a misuse of power, uh, but being examples to the flock. That is the biblical word, I think, ultimately for leadership example. There's no separation between character and gift or between the private and the public, sadly not displayed in our political system at the moment. And ultimately, Jesus is our supreme example. Uh, It says in John 13, 12 to 15, when he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes and returned, uh, put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. 
you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Here's Jesus himself serving by washing um, the disciples' feet. And leadership is about serving God's God's people. Uh, but it's not just that, because you that it doesn't mean that leadership is about being a doormat. I mean, you're just there to serve God's people and they can take advantage of you. No, actually, what we see in Jesus is both that humble serving attitude, but you also see quite strength. We see strength in Jesus, particularly when he sees people who are supposed to be godly, God's people and their, and their leaders that are not acting in a good way. So for example, in John 2, 14 to 16, in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them out of the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. So there's no kind of meek and mild Jesus here. So we have to get attention. Yes, it is humility, but it's got to have purpose. It's yes, serving and caring and loving, but it's also with challenge. And a part of a, a good shepherd or a, a good pastor or a good leader is to, is to hold both intention, not for their own personal gain, but for the overall health of the company, the school, or the church they serve. So that's the call to elders or those of us in leadership. And then Peter addresses young people. And he says in verse five, in the same way you who are young, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time and cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now what we have here is, actually this is one of my life verses when it comes to leadership, particularly this phrase, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. When I was a young man of about uh, 27, I must have been, 27, 28, it was proposed in the church I was in in Bedford that I would become an elder. I wanted to be an elder. I wanted to serve God's people. A mixture of youthful ambition and hopefully godly ambition. And it was proposed that I went forward as uh, an elder. And what happened is all those in the kind of uh, a little bit older than me that were leading groups and just like the extended leadership of the church weren't happy with this and spoke to the pastor and said, I don't think Steve should be an elder. I found this really difficult. But in the end, I concluded it's not worth grabbing or fighting for. So I actually wrote a letter to the church. Um, Dear Brickhill, I've, I've loved serving God, being the youth pastor and things like that. Um, and I don't want to cause any problems or disunity. So I withdraw my name from going forward to be an elder. And that was read out to the church. And then all the people that were concerned I shouldn't be an elder came and spoke to me and said, look, the fact that you've kind of stepped back makes us think you should be an elder. So, oh, 
So sometimes if you grab something, in Christian leadership especially, that's not the way to move forward. In fact, serve, and then in due time, God will raise you up. Bob Clinton, in his brilliant book, uh, The Making of the Leader, says, look, there's some just basic leadership principles at play in here. Normally what happens, he says, upon the success or completion of a ministry task, the leader is usually given a bigger task. And two, every leader whom God uses in any capacity must first be prepared to function in that capacity. So a lot of people aspire to leadership, and that's a good thing. They're not always as prepared or happy to go through the, the testing and the preparation for that leadership. And I've never wanted to get to a place where my leadership is beyond my preparation because I think my ego doesn't want to be exposed. He goes on to say, every leader whom God uses in any capacity must first be prepared to function in that capacity. Proper preparation is the only assurance of a leader functioning effectively for God. Many leaders greatly desire to function effectively, but far few are willing to pay the price of being made ready for the task. We see this in the life of Joseph, don't we? Who starts as a young man full of himself and clearly with a brilliant prophetic gift. And he has a prophetic dream, he shares it with his brothers and they think, oh man, look at him, he's full of himself. And he gets sold into slavery and ends up in Potiphar's house. And then in Potiphar's house, he comes under, well, under that he comes, if the first one was like a humility test, the second one was, is a moral test because he gets accused by Potiphar's wife for sort of you know, making a move on her. And he ends up in prison. And ultimately, through the interpretation of dreams, though there's huge delay because he interprets the dreams and then there's a two-year delay before he comes before Pharaoh again, there's a delay test there. And then he's before Pharaoh and ultimately becomes prime minister. And Pharaoh gives him his signet ring and says, look, here's authority, you can act in my name. And so we can see in the life and ministry of, of Joseph going from prophetic gift and full of himself and humbled to through a moral test, through a delay test in prison, uh, to suddenly then being promoted before Pharaoh and then made prime minister. You, we could see this in the life of David. The, the, there are many patterns and stages of preparation that God takes us through in preparing us as leaders. So if you're young here and you aspire, which is a good thing, then let God raise you up in due time and just, just my advice to you is just serve, just serve. If you, if you want to grab responsibility, what happens, particularly in the Christian uh, kind of world, is if you grab it and people go, oh, the best thing is just let it go, in your heart let it go. And my experience is whenever I've let anything go, God teaches me something that prepares me so that in due time when responsibility does come, you're prepared. In fact, I think within these passages that we've read today, there are at least five examples of, of the type of principle of test we're looking for. So verse six is the time test. Verse two is the servant test. Verse five is the submission test. I always think submission is fine when you agree with what the person or your boss is saying. It's more testing when you don't agree. 
the conflict test, how you handle pressure, how you cope under uh, stress. And then in verse six, the promotion tests. The most important thing is when you go through a period of testing is how you process the emotions associated with that. If you don't, then you either get hurt or you start to lead out of resentment or rejection. And if you do that, that tends not to go well. And uh, so it's, it's understanding, particularly if you're younger here, that I, I think we go through these tests all our lives. In some ways, when you're older, if you get a delay test, for example, that can be even more challenging because you think you're established by now and that, that's dangerous zone to be in. So I think these things are relevant to all of us, whether we're young or old. And then Peter says these words, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Due to the pandemic, I think like never before, all of us, in fact, the world has experienced a degree of anxiety, ongoing anxiety of unknowns and will I get COVID and how long will it last and will we have to lock down again? I think we've all experienced anxiety at a level far greater than possibly we've ever done in our lives. And Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you carried leadership, I just think if you've led a school or you've led a class or you've been in the NHS or, or even in, actually in pastoral ministry. So Peter addressing elders here, pastors around the nation are exhausted, everyone. They've actually been caring for people with all the uncertainty uh, that's going on. I'm picking that up right across, actually all over the world in the churches that I'm connected with. Uh, that pastors are feeling the pain uh, uh, and, and the challenge of, of anxiety and leading when uh, there's so much at stake and you're so unsure of what's going to happen. So to leaders here, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We're now encouraging the church to come back together in person and... Um, our next series, starting on the 6th of March, I'll be preaching, open that up, we've called Together. We're going to go to the book of Acts, we're going to look at the Antioch Church, and we're going to go right back to some foundation vision and values of this church, and we're going to call the church, get back in their venues, get back before God and with God's people and be together. And to start that series, we're going to do it with a week of prayer. In fact, we're going to do six six days and we're going to do it in person. We had a fantastic week of prayer in January, but we feel at the moment that we need to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And we're going to meet Sunday through to Friday night from seven to eight. Uh, I'm going to lead, um, I think, five or five of those evenings and we're going to get before God together and we're going to ask, we're going to worship Jesus and we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come and heal us up and restore us and heal us and, and fuel us and, and uh, bring us alive in God again. And prayer is a great place to cast your anxieties on him. It's like, oh, I can't do it anymore, Lord. I need your help.
Well, we want to do that as a family, as a corporate family, and we're going to do it starting on the 6th of March. And we'll do it from 7 to 8 every evening. Worship, pray, come Holy Spirit, worship Jesus, go home. And I'm asking you to come together on Sundays and particularly through that week of prayer. And let's cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you.